today because unfortunately my guest is not not able to be with me. He is ill and hopefully he will be better. So Levon, I hope that you're feeling better and that you followed my advice and got a test. And um, yeah, so (laughs) there's just me and I thought I would try a call-in show. So no one has called in yet. So I'm going to start with my very first poem for April. And I am inviting anyone who's listening to call in and read their poems for April. So here goes. Um, This one was to the prompt, write a poem about being foolish. Being a fool again. I have been fooled too many times. The circumstances are never the same, yet my foolish brain wants to believe this time it is true. My heart is an open vessel. Too many times it gets kicked, and the contents of my soul are left to dry in the wind. I try to tell myself this is not real. Don't do it and keep your sanity. But my stupid and ridiculous heart refuses to accept the the brain's warnings. As a result, my life is a series of foolish decisions made even worse by the possibility of financial loss. But I continue on as if nothing has ever happened, doing the foolish things that cause me pain. Tiny wars no one even cares about are fought with my brain and the heart 
that stubborn fool always wins and it will continue unless the heart realizes that it must listen once in a while to the sage and experienced brain that has tried to rule but is always overruled by the ridiculous heart. And that was Being a Fool Again and my very first poem for April. So, um, since no one has called in, I will now go to my second poem for April. And I am happy to say this is a little different, hopefully. It's called Write About a B-Movie, was the, was the prompt. And I don't know how many of you have seen Night of the Living Dead, but I saw the original. And this is Night of the Living Dead. Revisited. Night of the Living Dead started out peaceful, as these movies always do, with people going about their day, and you never see it coming until the scene turns strange, and suddenly you are confronted with the scabbers, with hideous, scabby, once people erupting from gravestones and overrunning a town, their lumbering walk suddenly a warning to take cover, and then the movie's characters' lives are overturned. I struggled in my seat, hoping nothing more than these hideous, peeling people would be there, but then the scene turned much worse, for the sheer numbers of these creatures began to be a sign more was to come, and then the eating began. They grabbed and plunged normal people onto the ground, tearing their flesh to pieces and munching on them in true wild animal fashion until they tired of their prey, moving on to find another victim and never stopping. But the horror of this is that the victims awoke and became zombies too, flesh-eating zombies roaming a town. And the cast in the movie dwindled until there were only a few I wriggled in my seat and still felt safe enough to watch until the time when the normal people who had outsmarted the zombies were holed up in a shed. Thinking they were safe, they began to exhale until out of the window hordes of zombies appeared and suddenly their little shed was under attack. The scene which scared me most and which nearly stopped my heart was when a zombie puts its hand through a window and grabbed someone inside the shed. And I screamed, as so many others did, at that moment when I thought the zombies would win. And what kind of world would it be if zombies ruled us? Thinking back on this, though, haven't they taken over in essence? Aren't we being eaten alive by all that is happening to us? In poem. Maybe not as fun as I thought it might be. <laughs> but we are going to move on because no one has called in. And I am going to read my poem for day three. Day three. Okay, this one's good. This one should be good. And... Day three. All right. Connection with online friends. 
My online friends are as connected with me as if we had coffee every day together. We text and we sometimes email. We get together on Zoom as if we were meeting on the street, and it's just as good because the feelings are genuine. We have never met, but whenever I did meet an online friend, the feelings were so strong, I knew if I would pop over and visit my online friends, it would be even better. One I met in person became a very dear friend, and one I have never met reached me at a time when my world was crumbling, and she called me at the exact moment of my husband's passing. Sadly, I returned the favor for her when I heard of her loss as well, and we are connected with a thread so strong it holds over many miles and many years and will never break. And I have a friend who I love dearly and who loves me too in their way, who listens to my whimperings and soothes me with logic and reason and listens to my poetry and shares my joys. Our connection is a bond never tested, yet I feel we are connected. My connections range over the globe as far as Malaysia and parts of India, and my family connections are spread far too. One in Japan and grandniece never met. If I could fly around the globe and gather all of my dear friends into one place and then find a way to visit each one with each one separately to learn more about their world, that would be the best vacation ever. But until then, I must settle for phone calls and Zooms and hope that soon we will all be together somewhere to enact the rituals friends do, kissing each other on the cheek and hugging, knowing our connection will always be there. Better poem. End poem from day three. Come on, people, call in. Call in and and let me hear your poems. I am now going to read day four. And we'll continue to read until somebody calls. <laughs> so if you're enjoying my poems, great. This one is day four. Write a poem about a dream or reality or both in one poem. Dream mixed with reality. When I met you, it felt like a dream. How could I have found you? And for years, I lived in that bubble. You and me in a dream bubble of happiness. The world we kept outside. We didn't need it to be in our dream. Dreams aren't always fun. And this one became real. The dream's still there, but reality pierced the bubble, and soon life forced its ugly way into our dream world. Not wanting to give up the dream, we struggled with the forces trying to shred it into pieces. But we saved that dream, held it close in our hearts, and never forgot it, mended it when it needed to be, and found it when we both needed to be reminded. As in most dreams, people appear and disappear. You disappeared, and I was left in a void. Yet the dream memories filter through, and so the dream is not vanished, only moved to another part of the soul to be relived when and if we ever meet in eternity. That was a sad one. And that was day four. Come on, people. Come on. Call in. I'm on day five. Okay, day five. I'm going to read day five. 
We're at stage five. Meanwhile, um, day five, day five, April. Nope, in the wrong place. Okay, anyway, um, day five is not here. Where is day five? Okay, let's look at day five. April Poma Day, day five. That would be the fifth day of April. Um, no, this is the wrong one. Okay, we have to look for the fifth day of April. And let's see. Anyway, I hope everyone is enjoying themselves and um, having a good day. It's raining here. And um, it's a good day to be talking about poetry. And I'm just going to go right to the April Poma Day Challenge. 
On a busy cobbled street teeming with bicycles and pedestrians, we Americans, new to this city of canals and scrubbed outside steps, stood on the sidewalk eating the cold, sugary joy of this new-to-us dessert, holding the cones in our hands and licking the luscious mounds like ice cream but different, I realized we had become part of the scene for passers-by. Amsterdam had seeped into our souls. And ever since that moment, eating gelato, now available in the U.S., I have conjured the sights and sounds of that moment when I first tasted it and how I felt with your arm around me in that crowd and how I longed to return to that moment when we were young and eating gelato together on a cobble street in Amsterdam. <clears throat> was day five of Palm Day, and now to day six. I think we have day six here. Although I think we have day six somewhere else. Five, day seven. Nope, we don't have that here. We must have day six. Day six. Day five. Okay, anyway, um, maybe I'll skip day six, although I don't really want to, <laughs> and, and see if I can go to day seven. Let's see. Let's see if we can do day six. Okay, day six. Um, anyway, uh, I hope that you're writing poetry each day. That's what April is for. April is Poetry Month. And um, I know it seems hard to write a poem a day, but when you get into the mood of writing a poem a day, um, you just want to keep writing a poem a day. <laughs> and I think um, the joy of that, having all of those poems at the end, is just so wonderful that um, you can't imagine looking back at all these poems. And a lot of the poems that I had in my um in my um, book, you'll probably forget me living with and without Hal, were poems that I wrote for April Poem Day. And they're kind of wonderful because, first of all, the experience of putting your poems on a place where everyone can see them and sometimes they comment and sometimes they don't and those that that one wasn't commented on and this one I'm going to read to you day six wasn't commented on but um, this is called memories of Curacao you had to put um, memories of blank and so I wrote memories of Curacao my first moment in Curacao when we got to our hotel was the aroma 
Actually, I think it was an, um, right about a smell. Um, my first moments in Curacao when we got to our hotel was the aroma, sweet and floral permeating the entire place, intoxicating as the free-flowing rum that never seemed to affect me much. And the music surrounding us in this idyllic resort, the warm aqua waters and the wonders under the sea will never leave my memories, but of that delightful and needed time we spent together, the smell is what I most remember. And when we returned home with you in excellent health from the soothing climate, the smell of this island remained in an unworn T-shirt even a year later when I opened a drawer and Curacao was in my home. It was the aroma of a dream. And that was day six. And nobody has called in. So on to day seven. Day seven, I think I have. Day seven, day seven. Mm, mm, yeah, I have day seven. Day seven, yep. My day seven is a Sano. And for all of you people who don't know what a Sano is, it is a three-line poem, very much like a haiku, only it has syllable count is seven, eight, and nine. And I've gotten into writing senos because they are so good for this. Um, I think probably, um, let me see what I wrote for the the thing because I know I didn't write that. Um, yeah, April Palm Day, day seven, day seven, day seven, twenty twenty three. Ooh, we are not that far up. Okay. Palm and day, day one. Palm and day. No, not, not right. Nope. All right, so, hmm, I don't have day seven here. Okay. Poem day, day seven. This is day 27. Here it is, poem day. Day seven. 
Okay. Um, here it is. 27, no. Day 7. Home day, day seven. Let's see if that works. Anyway, this is not fun for anybody listening, but I am looking for my poem. Poem day, day seven. Here we go. Here we are, day seven, right in abundance poem. Hmm. Let me see if I have one here, because I don't think I did this one. Anyway, nobody is calling in, so I am still continuing with my poetry don't think I have one for day seven. Let's see. Yes, look at that. I just found it. Okay. It's called Abundance. Oh, no, this is from a year ago. Oh, dear. They couldn't find my day seven from this year. Hmm. You know what? I'll read the one from a, a year ago. Because what the hell? It was called Abundance. There was abundance of joy and camaraderie in the streets of Ukrainian cities, even after some of them had been attacked. And though it felt like there were an abundance of attacks against them, still the small army resisted with an abundance of strength. So they had an abundance of hope generated by the fact that they were defending their homeland from invaders who barely knew why they were there. And yet there was an abundance of shock and sorrow as the remnants of the heinous crimes committed by these interlopers filtered into the, st- the sight of those who had not been privy to this, and the horror of once again seeing war crimes perpetrated on innocent people created an abundance of shame and sorrow against the ones who did this. It is such a sad loss, an un- unspeakable and disgusting experience to once again see people destroyed by the hands of invaders for their own ends. And we as the people of the world have an abundance of distaste for this kind of behavior and wish to see it ended. We have an abundance of the law on our side as we try to stop this despicable attack on an innocent country. They have trod on the sunflowers, and yet they will rise up again to smile in the sunshine of the world's love. And that was abundance. After the invasion of the um, of the Russians into Afghan into uh, Ukraine, and sadly, that was a very sad experience, and nobody has called yet. So I am going to continue on with my poems, and this time, this is going to be. Day 8, 
day eight. All right, write using homographs. I don't know, this may not work, but I'm reading it anyway. It's called A Sale at a Sale. S-A-I-L-S-A-L-E. And you know what homographs are? They're words that sound the same, but are spelled differently. Okay. I went to a tag sale and found a sale. But a lean man said it would lean if I placed it on a boat. I filled a pail with pale shells. And there was a couple in front of a spring scene making a scene. And there was a a man went to bat to buy a bat from someone holding a stuffed seal. I saw a saw I wanted, but when I got close, I realized the top didn't close. As I walked out of the sail with only the sail under my arms, I thought to attribute the attribute of this place to luck. And that was day eight. Um... I could go back to day seven. Day seven was, um, I, I guess, I, I have to go back to um, the challenge and see what it was. But um, I think it was, let me see. Um Anyway, I hope you're having a good day, as I said. And um, April Day, day seven. The challenge was to write an abundance poem for 2022, but let me... Why am I getting 2022? I put in 2023. So I don't understand. April Palmer Day, Write a poem. Okay, so day seven. Day seven. Day 27, 26, 24. Oh, here we go. Here they are. Here are the prompts. For today's prompt, write a small poem. Oh, that's why I wrote a small poem. Okay. I wrote a say no. Blooming daffodils. The spring splashed light on plants, bursting them, bursting from the earth to sunshine, yellow and white daffodils blooming. And then I wrote a few others. I don't think I posted these, but I wrote a few others. Silent language. No matter the place or the amount of people there, even if we were separated for hours, we had a silent language 
Our eyes met across the room and we smiled at each other, feeling we were the only ones there. And the last one, my healing. I held her hand as she lay there comatose, all the words we said to each other useless now as her hourglass was almost empty. Her steady breath assured me she wasn't going yet. And then in a matter of seconds, the breath spread out, stopped for a second and ended. When her heart stopped, I felt an electrical current run through my body from the hand I held, sliding from hand into my body and settling in my leg, healing my injured muscle and leaving a warmth creating peace where anguish dwelt, replaced by the calm and gentle assurance, all was okay, even as her spirit slipped away, she thought of me. And that was day seven of April Poma Day, and I wonder if anyone called now. No one called. So we're going now to day nine, because I already read day eight. Day nine. Day nine. Day nine. Day nine. Day nine. See, I wrote a lot of these poems. Here we are. Write a poem about numbers. And this one's called The Sea of Numbers. Numbers and I are not friends. We don't have the same bond as letters and I do. Letters are easy and come together in understandable bundles. But numbers are different, and we don't get along. Oil and water, are we, whenever we meet? Numbers are the worst mean girls I ever knew, leading me in circular paths until I can get them settled. Oh, sure, you say, numbers are easy and more organized than than letters. They follow exact rules that almost never differ, but my brain craves ABCs. They make sense to me in all combinations, whereas numbers always leave me puzzled as to what I should do to find the answer. Number theories leave me mystified. What operation do I use, and will the answer be right? If it isn't, what did I do wrong? Not like spelling or grammar errors easily found and fixed. Sometimes, even knowing the answer, I am still lost and always will be in the infinite sea of numbers. And that was Numbers for Poma Day. Day 9. And we still have no one calling in. And I've read nine poems. And it's already 4.36. And so I am going to read day 10 for you of the challenge of April Poma Day. And 
day poem, day 10 poem. I warn you, this is not going to be an easy poem. Um, It's called How Blank. That was the prompt, and so this is my title. How to Live Without a Husband. Write enough poems after he is gone to fill an entire book. Laugh so much you shove down the pain until it is buried beneath memories. Enjoy the little things in your life and treasure your loved ones. Make peace with the empty space in your bed and move your pillow to the center. It always moves to my side, though. Keep writing and write about the good times and the bad. When blindsided by a song or a sound or a smell that reminds you of him, then cry. Let the pool of despair you have forced into a secret hiding place come out for that time, as it will anyway, for those secret places are not impermeable. But know when to put it, put back that sorrow so you can live your life. Find friends who will accept you as you are and not as you have to pretend to be. Enjoy the moments you spend alone as a gift rather than a torture and embrace the love you have around you with your, with your daughters and crazy dog. Hold those beautifully, beautiful early memories close to your heart, but make new ones each day with the joy you feel for the loved ones who are still here and share your life. Hug your dog whose eyes go into your soul. And think of how lucky you are right now. And that was day 10 of April Poem Day. And nobody has called in. (laughs) So I'm continuing on with this marathon of poetry. Day 11 of April Poem Day. And let's see what I did for day 11. Yeah. Day 11, day 11, day 11, day 11, day 11. Hmm. We don't have day 11 here. So day 11. Let's see if it's there. Day nine. Nope, I don't have day 11. So let's see if we have it in the April Palmer Day Challenge. Let's move to day 11. Pretty sure I did do it day 11. All right, day 11. Oh, it was a two for Tuesday prompt. Okay, let's see if I did this one and didn't put it on the the prompt was 
okay. Different forms of poetry, okay. Day 11. Day 11. Oh, here, okay. Here's my Sino. Um, it's called Transformation Form Poem. Blossoming trees announce spring. Profusion of pinks decorate a barren landscape transformed by life. And that's the Sino. And you can write them in clusters, but I only wrote one poem for this. Okay. And now we're on day 12. Day 12. Day 12. Day 12. Go 12th. Oh. I thought this was day, day... Nope, this is wrong. This is day 11th. Okay. This is 11. Okay. So now I need day 12. Day 12 was to write a sound poem. And I think I wrote a poem and did not put it in the comments. Oh, I did. Okay, it's called Our Dog's Bark. He's not a large dog, but when he barks, you feel it in your whole body. Don't be doing anything precarious, or you will drop it for sure, and keep out of the way, because barks are accompanied by wild running back and forth from the door to the window. And lots of sniffing, too. I remember on Newfie's bark, it started low in his throat, a guttural whoof. This one is sharper and stronger. It's a bark for attention, and sometimes it's a bark to warn us. He's very picky about fans and air purifiers, so he would give a few short barks to let us know to turn them off or turn them down. Sometimes when he is especially worried or really wants to play with one of his dog friends, he has a whine to it, high-pitched, and a whimp, too. We yell no at the top of our lungs, but the bark doesn't stop until the danger leaves. Then he is quiet and sweet and lays there calm until the next moment when you least expect it. You will be startled by Dean's bark, clarion call. And that was my our dog's bark. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, this one Anyway, um, I'm on I'm on the radio, so I forgot that. <laughs> I shouldn't be quiet because I'm on the radio. <laughs> okay, um, let's try. Um,
Let's do day 13. Day 13. Mm-hmm. You know, you think that you have everything all you know, together, but it's just not coming together. Let's see. All right, day 13. Day 13 was, oh, forgiveness poem. Okay, I I did that one. I did that one. I guess I didn't put it in my Word document. Mine is forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. You can agonize over a minor incident where you think you have transgressed only to find out the worrying is in vain for the person you think you have hurt does not remember or care about the event. You have spent hours worrying with no sleep, wasting your precious time and energy, creating scenarios in your mind to assuage your guilt when it didn't matter. Best to have used that time to to forgive yourself for making that mistake. Assuage your inner child who is always worried about mistakes and take her by the hand to lead her into a more settled and calm place with love and affection for yourself. And that was Forgive Yourself by me, Day 13. Okay. Um, So that was day 13. And I don't think anybody's called in. No one's called in yet, so (laughs) we have... We have <clears throat> me just reading my poems, and um, excuse me, I have to take a drink. Talking on the radio by yourself gets very, very, very dry. So, we are on to day 14. Day 14 of my poems. And I think we have day 14 in here, yeah. Day 14 is another one that I thought was day 13. (laughs) But um, I read day 14. So let's do day 15. See how fast we're going through these. (laughs) 
Day 15 is to write about shadows. Now, what I did, you can't see it, but um, what I did was I took a phrase and I put it on the side, and what I do is I repeat a certain word from the original phrase. Excuse me. Oh, my goodness, I've yawned on radio. <laughs> I think that may be a first. Okay. So my... my it was called You Had to Write a Poem About a Shadow. So I'm writing about my shadow, but also I am putting a shadow to the poem. So you'll hear it, and I'll, I'll tell you what the shadow part is. It's called My Poem Shadow. A shadow sticks close to you. Shadow. To you close it sticks. Having only your shape, shadow, your shape it has. Sliding down the sidewalk as you walk. You walk and shadow slides, that's the shadow. Bright sunlight brings it out. And shadow, out in bright sunlight. It hides when clouds gather. Clouds gather, it hides, that's the shadow. Many times it follows you, and it follows you many times, but you turn around and it's gone. Sorry. Okay. So, um, the shadows are on the side here. Um, that's it. That's that's day 15. And no one's calling in. So we go on to day 16. I hope you're enjoying this. And sorry if, for the long silence, but um, I tend to not speak as much as I should when there's no one to speak to. So I would love it if people would call in and read your poems because that would be awesome. Day 16. This is called Write the Blank of a Blank and my poem is The Colors of a Sunset. Caught by the corner of my eye, the apricot orange blended with lemon yellow slipping into red and melting into a violet haze as night enters with its black coat, sprinkled with white shining stars and luminous platinum moon. End poem? Small, but that was day 16. And now on to day 17. Sorry about my silences. I, don't, I didn't mean to have silences. Um, day 17. Why is day 17? This is day 13. Okay. Anyway.
Okay. Um, page 17. Write about nerve or nerves. Getting up the nerve. In my life, I have had to get up the nerve to do something. I have never done. One time it was jumping off a high cliff into water. I watched as others braved the plunge as one by one they each jumped. And I decided, no, not for me. Packed up my sad excuses in my head and skipped it for that time. But one time, I did have the nerve to do something crazy, and palms sweating. I took a ride with my husband-to-be in a tiny, almost tin-can propeller airplane, flying over Manhattan with a Boeing 77 about to crash into us. Only sheer luck and prayer kept us out of the engines of one of those as it miraculously turned away from us. At that moment... I knew I would never listen to the voice that said, do it or you'll be sorry. So now my voice says it isn't worth the nervous tension. Experience has taught me to listen, after all, to my nerves. For the postscript of our nightmare flight involved the pilot, who still needed hours to get his commercial license, crashing in upstate New York. End poem. No one is calling in. Call in, people. I really would like to have other people reading their poems. So please call in. There's lots of time left. And I will continue reading my poems. But it's getting a little crazy. Because my poems are a lot. All right. I did, I did um, day 17. And now we are on day 18. Day 18. Day 18. Hmm. 1670. Here it is. Day 18. Day 18 was another two for Tuesday. Write a love poem or write an anti-love poem. And I wrote a love poem is connected with anti-love. Love poem. The years of love were an ocean filled with lots of joy and adventures. Sailing on that ship, we were passengers unaware of anything but our own emotions. For you, I abandoned my family, forsaking all others as it is written, and took this voyage to places unseen and people unknown. I place my trust and affection with you as you promised to keep me safe and loved. We were all to each other. You were my world. I clung to you in times of need, and we weathered so many storms, yet stayed together through it all. I never wanted anyone else to be with me. And that love has sustained, though you are not here to share it with me anymore. The memories are framed in my brain, pictures of a time when love was my entire life, a love that grew from a few seeds planted long ago in careless letters written in my teens to a faraway soldier who had stamped himself already on my soul. And that was... Love poem by 
by Barbara Erintrue. Still reading my own poems. And now I'm up to day 19. And that one is... Okay. The prompt was to write about taste. And I wrote, The Taste of Good Chicken Soup. When you have had the best, you don't settle for second best. And this year, I didn't make any soup. I relied on others to give me the taste I wanted and sadly did not receive it. For finding good chicken soup in the sea of takeout Passover food did not happen. It was a sad, tasteless version of what it might have been with none of the remembered flavors. So I had to take matters into my own hand and make my mother's chicken soup, always a decision never to be taken lightly, for it requires constant attention to detail and the right ingredients to make it my childhood memory. The garlic should not overpower and yet be there with the faint sweetness of onion and carrot. Unable to find a parsnip, I added more carrots. And of course, the best part of the soup I make is the celery leaves, Many discard, but I treasure for their sweetness as they give their umami flavor to the liquid. And, of course, the chicken, not too big for the pot, settling into the water for its boiling bath, rendering its richness into the broth, creating the fat that must be skimmed off constantly. But I get ahead of myself, for that is the last part. First, you must put in your, your celery leaves and garlic and half an onion. Watch until you need to skim off the impurities floating to the surface. And then when they have reached a point where skimming is no longer needed, add the chicken and let it simmer until it is so tender you can slide out the drumstick bones. And more celery and carrots and the other half of your onion with more garlic cloves. The hard part is done, but you must constantly skim away the bubbling fat to keep the soup clear. And the other important part is the continually tasting, continual tasting once the chicken is cooked. As the chicken cooks more and the vegetables add their goodness, the taste expands. Imagine sweetness with a hint of garlic and onion, and that is the chicken soup I adore. Season with salt and pepper liberally and serve with matzo balls or not. My grandma always made her own luxury noodles, but I'll take matzo farfel if Passover, and soup crackers if another time. At last, as my tongue enjoys the soup, I have the taste of my mother's chicken in my pot. End poem. And nobody is called in. So we are up to... Day 20. Day 20. Day 20. And day 20 is... Not that one. Let's see if I have it here. Day 20, day 20, day 20. 
Let me just go and see if I have D20. D20. Um, let's see if we have D20. And it is April Poment A. And if you haven't done it, and you're a poet, you should go to April Palmer Day. It's really fun. You don't have to post every day, but um, it's really fun. And you'll be surprised. Some poems really get a lot of comments, and some poems don't get comments. So it's interesting that... um, They do, and it's interesting that um, this one is right an animal, about an animal. I think I wrote about an animal, but I'm not sure if I can find my poem. Let's see. Right about an animal, an animal, an animal. Right about an animal. Okay. I'm not sure I have a poem on here. But we'll look. But anyway, um, there are some wonderful poems. Even if you don't write your own poems, just read some of these wonderful poems. And if I can't find an animal poem, I will read one of these poems to you because they are so good. And I'm not finding my animal poem. I think I wrote one, but it's just hard to find because... Anyway. Some of them get a lot of comments, and maybe I'll read one that got a lot of comments. But I don't think I have an animal poem here. But I might. I might have put it on and I didn't remember. someone who wrote from a scientific perspective. It's Bruce Knight, and I really enjoy his poetry for so long, and he's written about my grand dog, so I'm going to read this poem. It's called Grand Dog. Our team of archaeologists has made a significant, if puzzling, discovery It is in a ceramic drinking vessel with a message in ancient English, which we have translated as, I love my grand dog. As with many artifacts we have found from this period, the word love is replaced by a red heart symbol, but what is puzzling is the word grand dog. 
We know that these ancient humans kept domestic animals called dogs in their homes, the descendants of wild wolves. And we know that a grandchild was the child of one's own children. But this hybrid term has led to some debate as to its meaning. Some historians theorize that it means the dog of one's own grown children. Some believe it represents the offspring of one's own domesticated dog. And some even theorize that this ancient race, which we know experimented with genetic engineering, created a human-dog hybrid. However, we have no pictorial evidence of this. Perhaps the results are too grotesque to document. Still others believe that the word is trans- mistranslated or misspelled and should be two words, grand dog, with grand meaning of excellent quality and of great size. We do know that this ancient race kept domesticated cats, which were of immense size, possibly even larger than their masters, often overpowering them. We know this is the result of their discovery of a shirt-like garment with the inscription, sorry I'm late. My cat was sitting on me. And this is, that was by Bruce Knight, and just so funny and fun. And I think I'll read one more poem of this kind to you from... um, Let's see. Here's someone for another alphabet architect coyotes they race and they pace needing plenty of space to walk and to stalk small pets and livestock they howl and they prowl when killing they yell sending chills down my spine for they whine as they dine The size of the prize, no problem. Prey is eaten alive. Don't venture too near them. Fear when you hear them. Mighty, wily coyotes. And just such a great um, rhyming poem. Really enjoyed that one. And just one more. I think that's it for the 
for the other poems, and let's see if anybody's here for the... Nope, nobody's called in. So you still have plenty of time, 48 minutes, to call in, but I am going to go through the rest of the poems for the for the month, and we are on day 21. <laughs> and um, this is just so funny that I'm doing this this month, but um, I hope that you understand that um, you could have called in at any time. So this one gave us six words to write a poem with. And I wrote this one. The the, the words were bow or bow, lean, park, saw, tear, and wound. And mine is memories on a park bench. In my mind, I saw a little girl with a bow in her hair, dancing around so fast she fell on the pebbles. Her knee had a wound now bleeding and needing a bandage. She was crying. Her tear-stained face was red and puffy. I saw a woman lean down and cleanse and bandage her knee. She held the girl by the hand and they left the park. I was that little girl with bandages on my knees, getting hurt but bouncing back and playing again. Why, I asked my seven-year-old self, did I seek adventures and climb where no one should go? Where is that spirit now that my knees find climbing stairs in adventure? I shed a tear for the little girl I once was with a bow in my hair running free. End poem. And nobody's called in. So on to the next poem. The next poem will be Day 22. We are almost ending this month. And not one person has called in. Okay. Day 22. And this is, write a poem titled, What Blank? And What Made Me Cry? Is what I wrote. I picked up my pajama bottoms and the word you used to say for pajamas, pajim jams, came to me. A silly word for getting our kids to be ready for bed caused tears when I remembered you saying it. And suddenly I missed you and all the parts that made you, the silly parts and the loving parts and the ones not so wonderful, and your presence, a Dover cliff, always there for me, keeping the waters of my life from overflowing, even though I never realized how much you you did this. And the times when you were funny and sweet and made me laugh, gone forever. And the word reverberated in my mind as I remembered we are so close to your exit time when the sparkling man you were became only a treasure chest of memories with your images on a reel from the first time we met to your last whispered I love you. A carousel of emotions as each one pops into my head And the brash, cocky boy man I met one night in my teens becomes the sure, confident man who kept us afloat when our boat was leaky. And I was sure we wouldn't make it. Who assured me it would be all okay. 
all be okay as we strive to expand our family with no result for seven years, who dried my tears and comforted me when I viewed others with their new additions, and then who tenderly introduced our new daughter to his world with opera music and talks about John Wayne, and who educated both our daughters, filling them with stories of musicians and exposing them to a world not known to their friends, so they would have the history of these moments. And as the days fly away too fast and sometimes too slow, I miss you and your booming voice, the comforting feel of your arms around me. Even when times were rough, you gave me courage and you loved me with your kind of love, never quite understood by all, but gratefully accepted by me. End poem. And nobody called in. Was day 22, I think. And now we have day 23. Day 23, the prompt is fear. And this is my poem about fear. Fear is the enemy of adventure. Adventure means braving everything to find something new and exciting. Fear is the bar that keeps you from that. It becomes the shackle you never wanted, wrapping itself around you until you are fear. Your palms sweat and your mouth is dry. You clench your hands into tiny balls and tears come to your your eyes unbidden. Fear creates that roadblock for you and you can't overcome it if you allow it to take over. Fear is a hard taskmaster. You bow down to whatever you fear, unable to face it and run from it. Cowering in a corner like a three-year-old, wishing for your childhood blankie, feeling the need to bite your cuticles, unable to sit still and yet unable to move ahead. Fear grips you and never lets you go, leaves you at its mercy to twist in the wind unless you take charge. Refuse to accept fear as your master. Stride forward. Regardless of what you fear, look fear in the eye and walk right over it, for it will shrink to the size of a penny. You can pick up and toss away. When you don't give in to its demands, then you can continue on whatever adventure lies in wait for you. End poem. And that was day 23, and no one has called in. But that's okay, because I have plenty of poems left. And it's day 24, and I am reading day 24 poems. And it's right about touch. When I was touching, it's called touching. When I was a little girl, and it was culturally correct to wear fur, I would feel the softness of a fur coat and rest my cheek against it. Was there anything like the touch of that fur? Not knowing the agony it caused to make that coat, and surely not wanting to applaud the death of any animal, the countless corpses caused, or the of the endless work cleaning the skins and treating them to be ready for the seamstresses who painstakingly sewed these together to make a coat, only wanting the feel of that fur on my skin. 
And the other one I wrote is the velvet of his ears. My dog's head is the softest place. Touch his ears and they are velvet, rose petal soft. Rub his coat one way and it is smooth and soft and smooth. The other and it has a coarser texture. Either way, touching my dog is a pleasure that really I miss. His warm, comforting presence seeps into me and gives me a peaceful feeling as he sleeps resting on my arm or leg or hand, always looking to touch some part of me. He rests on my foot a lot, especially on days when I've been away, hoping to keep me from leaving again. Sometimes he'll put his soft paw on my arm or raise his arm to play a game of can I touch his paw as he hides it and then extends it back to rest on my hand like a snarky kid playing the game of catch my hand. But his eyes are the softest, oval, and full of love. They touch me the most. And Paul. And that was day 24. And no one has called in. And so I am doing day 25. Day 25. which I actually did yesterday. And it's called, it was right either a dream poem or a reality poem or both. So it was called Dream Flood. Wake up, wake up, wake up, I cried, fearing the rising waters covering my bedroom floor. A dream created flood suddenly awakening me with the agony of the sureness we would have to flee. And through what I thought would be waist-high waist water, filling my bedroom, lapping the bed skirt, and going under the bed, I turned to my husband, whose wide-eyed stare at my panic awakened me even more. What is it? Why are you screaming? There's a flood in our bedroom. Don't be silly. He moved his hand to the floor. It's dry. Touch it. Gingerly, I touched the floor. Dry. But I thought for sure there were inches of water there. You were dreaming. Go back to sleep. I did and woke the next morning to face the reality. My mother was gone and her spirit had come to let me know where she had gone. She was okay and loved me still. And I had peace in my soul to face the sad moment when we had to place her back from where she came. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. The soil clods on her coffin, creating tears each time the shovels deposited their baggage to seal her from me ever. And that was day 25, and we move on to day 26, which is here. Day 26, which was yesterday. And it was response, so it was interesting that um, I wrote that response poem the day before, but I decided to do a response to my poem, Cutting Watermelon, and anybody who's read that poem knows what it means to me, Cutting Watermelon. So um, my poem is called Not Going to Cry. Yes, in the past, I've not been able to cut through these 
cusp skin of the watermelon, slice it into pieces and cube it without tears rising to stop me for a while to remember you. But now I look at watermelons and think maybe I could do it. Maybe I can get through this process without the tears. After all, it is almost nine years since I lost you. Why should I still be crying over watermelon? Shouldn't this sorrow be over? Is it possible it will never be over? That I will never be able to cut into a watermelon again? That I must rely on the commercial cut-up cubes? Always a disappointment. No, I say to my sadness over this fruit. This summer, I will cut up watermelon as much as I can. Make watermelon boats and fill them with fruit. And watermelon granita, you must tend like a baby. And maybe even watermelon sorbet without a tear. And toss my sorrow away with the rinds. If that is possible. And that was day 26, response to my poem. And now we have... Day 27, which unfortunately is not going to be something I can give you. But um, I can go on to the website and look and see if anybody has written anything for Day 27. Anyway... um, Nobody has called, and I wish someone would call so I can talk to them. Um, Anybody could call if they want and talk to me and read a poem. You still have time. So let's see what people have written this time for day 27. And... um, there's also a, um, and the prompt today is right, and, okay, this is something I don't know. An Anna Padotin poem. An Anna Padotin poem. Okay. And this one is, Anna Padotin is an unfinished phrase that a person can fill in the blanks. Phrases like, when in Rome, if life gives you lemons, speak of the devil, and where there is a will. For many, if not all of these, you probably filled in the second half of the phrase because you know it so well. So write a poem either responding to, playing up, or subverting a popular anapodotin. Okay, it should be an anapodotin for the prompt. Okay. I'll read you Robert Brewer's poem, If the Shoe Fits. It still may not be your shoe, especially if you didn't pay for it. I'm just saying that when I go looking for shoes at the store, they don't always have my size, and I assume that's because there are other people who could comfortable slide their feet in my shoes, but they're still my shoes. If at first you don't succeed, try changing your approach because the shoe may fit, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to wear it. And anyway, the devil is always in those specific things that people talk about, but not everyone cares to think about all the time. All right, and let's see what people have written about this. 
the apple doesn't fall. Few apple trees will fruit this late fall, but I do see a few in the in the misting far distance. The children I've known running among the trees nearly bare now. Those few leaves and remnants of blossoms, pink turned brown on the ground. How tempting sweet all the fruit was when I ran earlier too, like you. In the distance, far and far away, all trees grow bare still, and all the children will run inside to try and hide from the coming cold. Hmm. Well, okay. Um, here's a cute one. If my jewelry box could talk. Trinkets, baubles, heart lockets, pink pearls from family heirlooms and relationship worlds. If my jewelry box could talk, I'm sure it would say I cherish some memories, but others, no way. Love the brooches from Mama and earrings from Dad. But loser, what's his name's gold chain just makes me sad. Ankle bracelet from you-know-who was cute in the light, but like the summer you dated, it gave me a fright. Emerald ring from that tall guy you met at the pool lost its luster when his ex called to confirm he's a fool. Charm bracelet from Redhead who drank too much jingled, but its music fell flat when you learned he'd commingled. Delicate pearl necklace was part of a set from the so fake tan charmer I wish we'd, you'd never met. So dear one, although you have kept all their loot, Sparkly guy gifts can't stop you from giving the boot. Cute. I think very cute. Um, here's one if wishes for horses by Ponka Girl 90. And that one, the, the trinket one, the jewelry one was by AKA Radio Red. Um, this one's by Ponka Girl 90. I don't know her real name. If wishes were horses, I'd wish for a wild one, a Mustang. I'd ride upon over meadows and hills, galloping, galloping, embracing the thrills. One with that Mustang's heart, racing unbridled, unsaddled off chart, tasting the untamed wind. Life lived to the brim, Lemons to lemonade, the devil I trade, gulping the sour with sweet world at my feet. And that was If Wishes Were Horses. And that's, I think, one more, if I can find my friend, Pearl. If they came to hear me beg, hmm. Okay. I shall not look it up and lease this very minute. Want to bet? If they came to hear me beg. Anyway, when life gives you lemons, when the going gets tough, gone, I'm going to get, as my bubby late grandma, queen of mangled phrases, would advise quite reasonably, don't catch chickens while watching a boiling pot. Note, wish I had the entire day to devote this delightful prompt. Um... That's Pearl kind of a prelake. She her poems are wonderful. Um, 
And that's, I'm just going to let this go because this is just, um, just read maybe one haiku. Um, no, okay. I'm going to get off this, and now I think no one has called. And so, off of the poetry, and I think what I will do is, because he was my guest, and because his poetry is so amazing, I will read you some of Levon's poetry. And just read some of his work because it's just so good. And, um, yeah. Levon's poetry came into my, um, the message box when we first started knowing each other. And I was just floored by his work. So I'm just going to read you The first poem I received, that was a long time ago. He fills everybody's box with poetry. So it's just, and his poems are just so different and full of love. I think that's what I would call Levon's poems, full of love. And full of love for people and himself and for God and and for that kind of stuff. And um, he's really a good guy. And I hope that he's feel better. Okay. So, the very first poem I received from Levon is, Love is the Greatest of All Divine Manifestation. The dark cloud of disguisement is upon us to deceive and use the art of deception to mask the truth of self-consciousness and its very powerful principles of expression and artistic creativity. The hatred of naturalization is the task of the cohorts to appeal through the dark arts to the hearts, souls, and minds of individuals in the twisting into an evil entity, the music and the other artistic expression of self to magnify the symbolism of the fraternity of hell. As passions and emotions rage into fiery rivers of smoldering actions, that the energy of positivity is cunningly dried into dust and emptiness of the life-sustainable watery well. The hidden messages are pushed into the atmospheric center of the core of the spiritual, mental, and physical nature to annihilate and vehemently destroy the tuning and synchronization of the earthly, heavenly, and the universal alignment of all existence and creation. Please do always remember this, that love of yourself, the surroundings, and fellow man is the purest, greatest of all reality, and specifically the truth of divine manifestation. And that was 
Vaughn Robinson poem, Love is the greatest of all divine manifestations. And now he continues to write this way. His next poem to me was Fertility. The visionary spectacle of the formation of love is truly a sensuous and breathtaking reflection of the love that's adorned and manifested in your grace, beauty, and with honor. I often sit alone as I imagine the many ways to have you, my beloved, become part of my essence and wholeness. I just ponder. You wear the fabric and its principles well as if it was tailor-made and designed for you by the fashion designer and the creator of the existence of life, beautifully sewed with the thread of the origins of your identity, the divine seedlings of hope and positivity you bring with each new day, arising into the hearts and souls of I, as well as others, and its mystical and majestical grounds and landscapes of fertility. Oh, my goodness. These poems are amazing. And, LaVon, I can't wait to get you back on the show. I don't think you've been on the show, but um, to get you on the show would be wonderful. And to reading, reading your poems is just so beautiful. Um I will read your last poem that you wrote to me because there are so many in this box. Since LaVon's poems are so different from each other, yet he writes so many of them, it's hard for me to understand how he can write so many poems that are so different from each other. And they are different. If you take these poems apart, you will see that they are all different from each other. And that's a gift. That's a true gift. And I'm so sorry we didn't get a chance to have him on the show, but he will be on the show next month, hopefully, in good health. And that's the important thing. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this without a guest. I unfortunately have had moments of of silence, but <laughs> that's something that I I, I don't, you know I'm working on because um, the moments of silence were because I was either looking for something or I have to admit tired. Okay, this is called unconscious manifestation. Every living creation is endowed with the artistic nature of spiritual, mental, and physical expression of originality. Just being true to oneself is the key to unlock the treasures of your raw individuality in its disclosure of of basicity. With each new arising of the sun, to radiate the edification of life in the natural transitioning of the eternal light as transformational energy into the realization formation. We adhere to the ordained fundamental 
principles of the divine interpretation of love written on the sky's backdrop as the canvas depicting of the beauty from the bare sorry of the beauty from the pure depths of the unconscious manifestation wow And that is LeVon Robinson, his poetry. And I think I could read more of it. This is what he wrote on Wednesday. To God always be the glory. For so long, I being lost within the tool of my self-destruction and fiery flaming fumes of darkness and despair took hold of my addictive ways while searching hopelessly without and for that instant gratification. The more I feel the hungry beast and of this unanimated object, I become bringing into it my very downtrodden, abandoned, battled, and embittered soul, long-suffering, stagnant manifestation, hooked highly on the thrill of the excitement as the rush of the adrenaline pumped wildly throughout my whole embodiment as well, the agony of defeat when it wasn't present, temporary in my life or days, to have this abusive love affair continued and be a part of my daily routine and existence, I was so down and willing to try so many cunningly ways things. This was for so long the statue of the blueprint of my life. It was deceptively written by hurtful me in the act of the entanglement and leading to come. And so I'm in silence because of that poem. It's just so breathtaking. And LaVon, I hope we feel better. Um, And like I said, um, people can call in if you want. There's still time. There's like 17 minutes if you want to get on the air with your poetry and read it. Or... (laughs) Okay, um, here goes. I'm going to read you one of my books. So get ready. Get ready, because here it comes. Oh, you know what? Maybe I'll read you something from an anthology. Let's see. Um, all right, I read all the April Poma Days, except for the one that I'm reading now. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I'll read you women. Maybe I'll read you a sampling stands alone. This was to a painting prompt, actually a graphic prompt of 
a tree, a very tiny tree being planted in the middle of a circle. And mine is called a sapling. A sapling stands alone. Alone in an empty circle of soil, raining over the space, still in its pot to keep it safe, surrounded by grass, and has plenty of room to spread its roots as it grows. Maybe in years it will be a massive trunk tree, with roots stretching over the entire expanse, its huge trunk and overhanging branches, a haven for weary walkers and a playground for children. But now we must protect and water it, nurture it with love and nutrients so it can reach its full growth when we will no longer be needed. Just like the young children we have brought into the world and tended to, we have watered them with love and affection and given them the nutrients of food and attention so they too will grow into strong human beings able to withstand the many struggles of life. And that's by me, Barbara Andrew, and... I also wrote a little Say No. It's called Say No Number 64. The small tree stood there alone, its roots hidden by the planter who placed it there. And why for us now? And that's my Say No. And nobody's called in. So this didn't act as a very secure... Okay, I'm going to, um, let's see what we have here. I have my my books that I could write, read from, the anthologies, and let's see. Actually, I got. I think I'll read these because. um, Anyway, anyway, I can't find anything. Um, I'm looking for something. I saw it and then I disappeared, and. Okay. 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 Um Here they are. These are some poems that I put together for somebody. Um and they are some you've heard some of them but here goes when trust is gone when trust is gone where can love go the bubble that has surrounded them has been pierced by the arrow of deceit perhaps only in the mind but once trust has been wounded it must be built back as the foundation of a sound relationship must be strong or the world a couple is built will teeter and fall and the pieces may not be able to be put together, put back together. 
Though you may try to recreate the soft conditions of perfect surrender to your love, the hole caused by this severing cannot be filled except by the sweet cement of acceptance for this assault upon the sanctuary of love within once you both closed yourself in endless rapture. And that was when trust is gone. Here is a kiss, kiss, a kiss for a lifetime. I miss kisses that take your breath away, bringing you to a place where time stands still. You forget where you are and don't care, as long as you can be kissing this one person forever. And the feeling never leaves, even when the person who created it is gone, as if magic spread through you and him, holding you in its spell forever. And the next one is taking life to the fullest. The bird tweeting outside my window and the seagulls flying over the blue waters of the bay do it with everything they have. The bird sits on its perch and bursts out with song and the gulls use all their power to keep flying. Take life to the fullest. Ride your dreams into the clouds. Search for the sweetest smelling flowers and bathe in the gentle sunlight as you inhale the fragrance of the growing plants around you. Let that be absorbed into you and be a sponge for life. Don't stop because there's a glitch in your plans or something went awry and you need to start again to accomplish your goal. This is just a small twist in the scheme and you can overcome it by doing things to your fullest capacity. Halfway efforts bring half the result. So always try to put all of yourself into everything you do. We need to write ourselves if the card of our life overturns and remember it is only a little twist and we can face whatever we need to do with determination and patience when you persist you will reach your destiny and that was that one and now Sano's 57 to 60 peace Bombs explode, killing hundreds. The dreams of lasting peace destroyed as peace is shredded into pieces. Some men use peace as a tool, playing a game with a country, moving the ante ever further, while others cherish its gifts. For peace allows all to shine bright. Many will benefit from its light. Creativity glistens in the glow of its magnitude. And joy reigns in the kingdom of peace. And then one more set of Sanos, Flamingos in the Park. Sanos 60 and 62. 61 and 62. Flamingos in the Park. Salmon tank with spindly legs. They stand together yet apart, reminding me of a piece of art. How can their large bodies stand on those skinny legs and not fall? They are surely a miracle from God. And then this one is going to be published in an anthology soon. Um, Striving for Peace. And I'm going to, I think, I might be able to end this soon. Eight minutes and nobody's called, but um, Striving for Peace. In the calm space of love and acceptance lies the essence of peace. You feel its embrace as it warms your heart, 
the idea you do not need to defend yourself or encounter aggression for just living. Peace is a destination we all want to reach, and we all hope that with having it, we will be able to have a normal life, free from care and full of the splendors we all dream when we conjure a peaceful world. Imagine the quietude of a progression of moments devoid of anger and full of the wonders of the world, where all can live in harmony and all are accepted, a place where you don't need to worry about your peace being disturbed by intruders, and where you can study and learn and live with your family around you to enjoy it. We all want it and strive each moment to create it. But there are those who have other, more sinister ideas, and they do not want peace and quietude. Instead, they want death and destruction, violence and pain. They thrive on these and are unable to live in peace. We must rise up and demand peace all the time, Peace is where our world needs to be. It is the oasis where creation began, and it is the polished gem we all seek. And there's seven minutes, and I'm getting very tired of reading poetry. So I will read you from my book. Mill Valley High Five. Actually, I should read from my new book. Uh, Well, it's not a new book. This is the book that's coming out very soon if we can get the cover done. If I could be like Jennifer Taylor. And this is the book that I first wrote. My very first book. So, if I could be like Jennifer Taylor... First chapter. Chapter one. I spot him walking toward my locker with a small box in one hand and a plastic fork in the other. My crush. He hands me the box and I open it. Inside is a piece of luscious chocolate cake with chocolate frosting. I look up into his blue eyes and give him the box so I can touch his cheek as I smooth his dark hair. You always know just what I like. He smiles and feeds me a fork full of cake. I don't have to worry about eating it because I can eat anything I want and not gain weight. He places the cake box in my locker so he can put his arms around me. The first bell rings in my ears. I ignore it because I'm thin and blonde and floating in the arms of my dark-haired crush. The other cheerleaders run up to us, laughing and kidding around, and I'm about to speak. The ringing gets louder. The dream evaporates, and I realize it's the darn alarm piercing my sleep, slamming my fist onto the snooze button. I get this nagging feeling. Then I remember I have something to do. Worse luck. I have to do it not as a slender blonde beauty in my dream, but as the real Carolyn Samuels with my brown curly hair hanging like shriveled spaghetti, mud-brown eyes, and a body too large for fashion. I see my new book bag is packed and ready by the door with the initial CS in blue, my favorite color. Suddenly it hits me, and I get this dizzy, let me plop on the pillow feeling. Freshman year of high school, first day. My brain is ready, but my body isn't. Jennifer will be there. 
math class in Jennifer, gym class with Jennifer. My body curls into a fetal position, and I throw the covers over my head. Don't faint, Carolyn, I tell myself, panting. Dangling over the chair in those size 12 jeans, clown pants, hardly a fashion statement, I groan. Paired with the red long sleeve T-shirt, they look so good on the mannequin. I'll look like a stoplight. What was I thinking? How could I possibly go to school looking like such a freak? Actually, the real reason I can't go is Jennifer, with a long, straight, blonde hair, perfect body, and clothes from magazines like Teen and Seventeen. Yuck, I feel sick. Sick with Jennifer-itis. I hear Mom's footsteps on the stairs. Why are you still in bed? She comes upstairs and peeks into my room with a puzzled look on her face. Moving the blanket up to my nose, I say, Mom, I can't. Whoops. I say, Mom, I can't stop shivering in my stomach and head, head hurt. She feels my head and looks at me with mother vision. Carolyn, did you think I'd fall for your tricks? I cringe. Now my stomach and head ache for real. Defeated, I climb out of bed and get washed. I slip the hated outfit onto my body and glance at my bloated reflection in the mirror. It's too late to change. I'm stuck with this. If only I could be like Jennifer Taylor. After picking up my book bag, I race down the stairs, take a couple of bites of a chocolate chocolate chip muffin and a few sips of non-fat milk. I almost trip over a lump, blocking the door. Max, our five-year-old Newfoundland, raises his massive bear-like head, sniffing like he's never eaten a thing in his life when he sees my muffin. I glance at his empty bowl and throw the rest of the muffin into it. He sees it and licks my face. Now I'm going to smell like dog food all day. Grabbing a paper towel, I, I wipe my face and lean to ruffle his soft fur. At least Max doesn't care what I wear. Feed him and rub him under his chin and he'll cover you with slurpy kisses. Mom is already in our three-year-old silver Malibu that, like my jeans, doesn't quite make a fashion statement. On the drive to school, I'm looking forward to seeing Becky and Janie, my two best friends from forever. Don't want to see Jennifer's face on the first day of high school. End of that chapter. And I'm going to say this is the end of our show. We have a minute and 34 seconds left. Nobody has called in, but that's okay. I hope you've enjoyed my ramblings and my... I I have a few... um, Moments when there's nothing, maybe they'll cut those out. But anyway, next month, I think my guest is going to be, let me look, guest for books and entertainment. Hmm. I think it's probably going to be LaVon, but it'll be someone else. So thank you for listening. I hope everyone listens in the archives Talk to you soon. Have a great day. It's going to be May soon, May 2nd. And um, that is my husband's demise day, day when I lost him. And so um, 
just all of you who have lost people out there know that there is a way to get through it, but writing is a really good way to do it. And as you can see, I've written a lot about my husband, my my late husband, and writing really helps you to get in touch. So have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon in May. Bye, everybody. Bye.